we speculate on everything because that's the whole point of this show. It's fun where we're enjoying this project, but it's important to maintain patience because if you are here in the first place, there should be some level of confidence that you're placing in candy as a business, as a company to, to create value here, both in ways that they have in store planned that we don't know about, but also having confidence that there are things that they're going to do that they don't even know about yet. These are talented, creative human beings that are going to do their best to keep making this project valuable. And if they fail, we'll talk about that. And if they succeed, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But until we get some hard data, it's all still speculation. What's up, Candy Fam? My name is Nate, that's David, and this is the Talking Candy Podcast. Each week, we take a dive into the candy MLB marketplace and give you an idea of what stood out the most to us. And while David and I each have collections of our own, none of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. We're just here to have a good time. And if these videos, if these podcasts are helpful, useful to you in any way, a like and a subscribe go a long way in helping us grow this channel and reach more people. That being said, David, it's good to have you here. How you doing? I'm doing good, Nate. Doing good. Just one more week until PAX, but we'll be talking about that in a minute. One week uh, till PAX, three days till baseball, two days till baseball by the time this comes out. Mm -hmm. And so a lot to be excited about, but definitely an interesting time in candy right now. We have seen a dip in the market. We've seen the snapshots taken for tier one early access. A lot of things happening, a lot to talk about, and, and we're going to get into all of it. First, we are going to look at the the one key sale or the, the, the biggest main sale that, that happened this week. And that was the Shohei Otani Jersey Cereal Rare. So 17 out of 60 went for $10,000 this week. And this was a particularly cool sale because it is now sandwiched between a handful of other Jersey cereals that are all in this top 20 of the all-time mm -hmm. sales. So... The Acuna, the rest of these are epics. Obviously, Otani comes at a premium, so his rares are, are going to sit there with some of these other guys' epics. But the Acuna 13 jersey went for 11-2. The Tim Anderson 7 out of 30 went for 10-5. This Otani 17 went for 10,000. And the Vlad 27 epic uh, went for a dollar under 10,000. So just definitely the the highlight sale of the week. Wanted to, to quickly point that out. But, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, before we get too far, I did want to mention that starting next week, we will be releasing these episodes one day later. Instead of recording on Monday, we're going to start recording on Tuesday. So that way our schedule lines up a bit nicer with the drop of the 2022 packs that Candy's going to be releasing. Yes, good call. Forgot to, forgot to state that at the top. Thank you. Yeah, we got we to gotta prioritize pack drops. And as we stated last week, all those being Tuesdays, We'll base this show around uh, around mm -hmm. those pack drops. So, good call. Right. Thank you for that. Yeah. So instead of record on Monday, release on Tuesday. At least for the foreseeable future, it's going to be record on Tuesday, release on Wednesday. So you'll have to wait an extra day to hear our thoughts. The other thing that we didn't touch on as well as everything coming out is the play of the days returning on April eighth. Yep, those are coming back, and those will be $15 as opposed to the original ones that were 25 I believe. Was it 25 mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so right. ten dollars cheaper on the those, but a lot more of those to come compared to the the playoff series. So mm-hmm. uh, makes sense that they would have lowered the price point on that. Sure, there's a lot of people happy about that. So looking forward to that. That'll be the first new baseball NFT prior to the pack drop. So we'll have a few days of those before mm-hmm. we really dive into this new set and perfect transition into these 2022 packs, which is what we are going to focus on in the episode today. So just quick overview here of these 2022 packs. They're gonna be $50 each. There are just under 500,000 of them total. There are gonna be 720 players spread across the, the four lineups. We'll get into that, what that means. And unlike the first set of cards, which had three icons per pack, we're gonna get five icons per pack in, uh, in this new set with a guarantee of two uncommon or higher as opposed to the one uncommon or higher. So surface level, that's what this is gonna look like. But the more detailed information is that these four lineups are how the 720 players are being broken out. So each lineup is gonna have a unique set of 180 players and each lineup is going to have two drop dates. So the eight drops are going to have two for each lineup. So the first two drops on April 12th and 19th will be the same exact lineup, same cards, same potential pulls. And we can get into who some of those players are. There's definitely some guys in there that people are excited about. But the other interesting piece here is that we've got not not every single card is going to get every single rarity tier the way that the original 21 sets did. So Mm -hmm. of the 720 players, only 100 of them will have a legendary only 260 of them will have an epic, 480 will have a rare, and all 720 will have a core and an uncommon. In terms of what the breakout is going to be for mint counts, still unknown. We can speculate. We have some rough numbers. You can see on the right here, we've got the the range of 2.4 thousand to 5,000 mints per player. Majority of these will be a max of just over 3,000, reason being a lot of these cards will not have the legendaries, the epics, and the rares required to push up into those higher mint counts, but mm-hmm. there's also potentially other reasons. So that's the that's the overview. But I'll I'll let you I'll let you jump in here. Yeah. No, that covers it quite nicely. There there are obviously going to be a lot more packs this time around than we saw for the twenty twenty one All Star packs or those uncaught diamond packs and the mint counts are going to be quite a bit higher. We knew they would be. We weren't sure how much higher, but I think even a little higher than we were expecting with these mint counts. But I I do like that there's going to be a range, that we're going to have a difference between the most desirable players and some of the least desirable players. They're not going to have the same amount of cards available, but that could help keep parity in terms of the values from one to the other. And... uh, you know, I did crunch some numbers. I came up with kind of some educated guesses as to what those mint counts are going to be, but there's still a lot we don't know. You know, it, it's been helpful to know that they're not all going to have access to the same rarity levels, and and that helps kind of focus those numbers. But even within the players that have access to the same levels, there might be some variance, and we won't know for sure until the packs start to drop. Yeah, there's still a lot unknown here. And I think that 
you know, we've, we've had a lot of speculation and conversation around this, this subject, as would be expected. I think that what we ended up with here are min counts that are, they're okay. Like, I think that we're, that we're pretty okay with, with what we see mm -hmm. here. I think it was probably wishful thinking to hope that we were going to get something closer to 2000 per player. Not to say that it couldn't have happened, but what we got here instead, I feel, is in place of having too high overall of a mint count is that we're going to have a lot of players that you're not necessarily thrilled to to get. And we knew that that was the the other side of the coin if they went in the direction of of keeping the, the mint counts relatively low. So there are going to be packs that are not great. That's going to happen. There's going to be packs where you get a good handful of guys that are not particularly exciting. And that's okay because what it's going to do is maintain the value of those higher guys that we are more interested in. And at the end of the mm -hmm. day, I think that what we are most concerned with is making sure that the cards that deserve to, to have value placed on them continue to hold that value. And so while it will come with some higher risk when opening a pack or you know some potential frustration with pulling a guy you don't necessarily want, that's part of cards. That's part that has always been part of baseball cards. Mm -hmm. Opening a pack is always a roll of the dice. We were definitely spoiled with what the contents of these original all-star and prospect packs looked like because every name was a big name. Even like we talked about, even the the relievers, they were still all-stars. So I think that there's an interesting balance here. There are things that on the surface seem not so exciting, but they have benefits on the other side of it that that are being accomplished. So you can't have it all, but I think that there's a decent balance here, but I guess we'll find out when we open the packs. And I think it also kind of speaks to the fact that we shouldn't always have this expectation that every single pack is going to be expected value positive. If you pay $50 for a pack, you should not be necessarily be guaranteed to get $100 of value from every single pack. It, it is a roll of the dice. And with these packs having five NFTs apiece instead of three, and with at least two of them being uncommon, you know, the values on these cores and uncommons, they don't even have to be that high to maintain that sort of $50 EV per pack. I believe it's something like if we can get $7 for a core and $14 for an uncommon, that would have us breaking even. Uh, and some players may not even be able to support those prices if they're looking at, you know, 2400 mints. But it's going to be a more affordable option, a more affordable entry point for some people to get into these 2022 cards. And so that comes with a positive as well of just increasing the collector base in a more affordable way. Yeah, and there's also just so much that we don't know. We talk, we speculate on everything because that's the whole point of this show. It's fun. We're, we're enjoying this project as collectors, as people that want to see what, you know, what the values do up and down. But it's important to maintain patience because if you are here in the first place, there should be some level of confidence that you're placing in candy as a business, as a company to, to create value here, both in ways that they have in store planned that we don't know about, but also having confidence that there are things that they're going to do that they don't even know about yet. <laughs> things that are going to come up in meetings when people have good ideas. These are, these are talented, creative human beings that are going to do their best 
to keep making this project valuable. And if they fail, we'll talk about that. And if they succeed, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But until we get some hard data, it's all still speculation. And so I think that certainly you and I have been accused of being a little bit too candy positive at times, but it's not because we're burying our heads in the sand. It's because we haven't been given any hard data to, to point us in the other direction yet. This is going to be a really interesting moment in time where we finally get these packs and we find out, do they sell out? I hope they do. Do, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is the, the aftermarket value on the packs? Is there so much demand that they continue to be bought and sold on the secondary because people missed out? I mean, yes, that sucks for whoever missed out, but it's a good thing for the health of the project if that's what it looks like. So there are plenty of things to, to keep an eye on and keep tabs on and see, did that go well? Did it not go well? But until we actually see it, I'll reserve judgment until that moment. Couldn't agree more. Let's uh, let's take a look at some of the the numbers that you crunched in theory. Okay, yeah. And this was the result of taking some of the information that they did provide. They did let us know that the range of mints was going to be from 2350 to 5001. And so we're still making some assumptions, but that would tell us that a player that has access to all rarities... So a player that's going to come with the one legendary and epics and rares, as well as the cores and uncommons, that they should land at 5,001 total mints. And that tells us that a player that only has cores and uncommons should still land at 2,350 mints. They did mention 3,100 in their message as well. So we're taking that to mean that players that have cores, uncommons, and rares will end up with 3,100 mints. And the uh, 4,250, that's just kind of a ballpark to make the numbers nicer. But any of these numbers could still be subject to change. But if you look at the, the kind of the top grid there, I've got it labeled CU for cores and uncommons. And then going down from there, the next line would include rares. And then the next line would include epics. And the next line would include a legendary. And those numbers from left to right are just at least to me, what would make sense based upon the information we have available. And so I think we'll be seeing something close to this. I think there's going to be, you know, 240 players that only have commons and uncommons. And I think that's the number of cores and uncommons we're going to see there. And, you know, that'd be 1,550 cores, 800 uncommons to bring us to that 2350 number. Uh, it does kind of feel like a lot of uncommons, but it, it almost has to be because there's going to be more uncommons this time around because there's five cards in a pack and two of them at least will not be cores. So 40% you know, of the NFTs this time around will not be cores. And so just kind of going down from there, you see that if we include the rares and the new target is 3,100 mints, that there's going to be not just the inclusion of those rares, but also more cores and more uncommons for that next tier of player that it's going to include rares as well. Same thing with epics. The next line down would include some number of epics as well as rares, uncommons, and cores and still have more uncommons, rares, and cores than the, the previous tier of player. Again, just making assumptions, we're assuming that 
the players at each of these tiers will have the same as each other, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, we know there's going to be 100 players with legendaries, but they might not all have 5,001 mints. Some might have more, some might have less, even within that tier of player. Um, yeah, I was oh, just going to say, I think it'd be wild if they kind of throw us a curveball. And what if a guy that has a legendary doesn't have epics? What if mm-hmm. not everybody has the same number of epics? All mm-hmm. of these things could be could be done, right? You could have, they could decide that half of the guys with rares get 800 of them and half of them get 400 of them. So there's a lot of different ways that they could go with it. And I, I definitely, I, I love looking at these numbers because it gives you a decent idea of the ballparks that that we could end up in, but there are plenty, there's plenty of room for curveballs uh, in terms of mm-hmm. how they want to distribute these. And I do like the dynamic of there being 240 players that will only have cores and uncommons, because that means the best card, the best NFT for some of these players is going to be their number one uncommon mm-hmm. or their Jersey mint uncommon. So it's not even going to be a rare an Epic or a legendary, but it's going to be the single best card available for those players and if some of these are you know players that aren't as established then their 2022 best card being an uncommon could be pretty interesting if we look back on this in the future as they become an all-star or a household name and we look back at their first best card being only an uncommon absolutely there this is and this is something we've talked about where the thing that's so exciting about the depth of this set and the fact that there are guys that you might not be thrilled about on the surface is that there's somebody that will be thrilled about that guy that you pulled Mm -hmm. that you don't know about or that you're not high on yet because you know there are there are young players they're going to get their first crack at the mlb this year guys that weren't in the uncut diamond set there are going to be other guys that aren't even you know prospects they're just guys that are a couple years in the league that might be on somebody's radar that isn't on other people's radar so to your point those one serials those jersey serials of the uncommons those are sneaky cards that that people are going to be looking for and they've got upside because they as of this set will be the premium card of that player because Mm -hmm. they just haven't ascended to the point of stardom to get some of these higher rarity cards so very cool to see how people react to those and I can't wait to see what the marketplace looks like on pack drop day and seeing what's being bought and sold. I know you and I are definitely intending on being in there and and seeing what opportunities are presented and it should be an exciting day with a a lot of different cards, the dynamic stats, all of it. Uh, It it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like every other day I'm changing and reevaluating my opinion on you know, how many packs do I want to open? How many packs do I want to leave closed? Yep. Do I want to just wait and let other people open and sell me their cards? You know, every every other hour almost, I have a different opinion on what I'm going to be doing. I've got just over a week here to, to make up our minds and, and see what's going to happen. Yeah, I feel like every other day we send each other a message. I think I'm going to open everything. No, I think I'm going to hold <laughs> everything. No, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to my candy balance for for cards on the marketplace oh i just spent all my candy balance for 21 (laughs) cards so yeah and and we're going to get into that next because the the opportunities with the 21 cards are abundant right now if that's something that you're into so there's a lot of different avenues that you can go right now 
and it's not easy to decide because it's changing every single day. Let's um, before we do that. Are you, are you all set with this with this graphic? Was there anything else you wanted to do here? Um, no, I think we can talk about was it the different tiers that are still available for people yeah. getting ready for those packs? Yeah, I wanted to pull up these these uh, tiers. So tier one, we're not going to touch on because we've already we've already passed that. The two full sets being collected. That snapshot was on the thirty first. That has happened. We're going to talk about how that has impacted the market, but the and there were a couple other couple, couple other ways to get tier one as well. But the remaining options for getting early access at this point, tier two is to get access, the, has the ability, I should say, to get access to all eight drops. However, it is required that you are holding the NFT that gets you the access prior to each of those drops. So snapshot is going to be taken the day prior to each drop. So for example, this first drop is the 12th, the snapshot will be taken on the 11th, and anybody that's holding the Candy Sweet Futures Basketball Chaser for the college basketball eight players, or if you have a 21, one of one, either an all-star or an uncut diamond, both of those are tickets into early access if you hold them when the snapshot is taken, and will continue to be access if you hold them prior to each snapshot. Um, so let's uh, let's take a look at the the floors here, because this is a good way to segue into what's going on with the market right now. So, as you can see, both sets have taken a dip, a, a relatively substantial dip. You don't see it as as visible on a chart like this, but I'll pull up the the uncut diamonds specifically here. And you can see with this zoom in that it things fell off here. And there was a lot of speculation what was going to happen after the snapshots were taken for the uncut diamonds and the all-star set that were going to gain access to the early access for the pack drop and also get the chaser reward that will be airdropped in August. And while I don't think that this these numbers show us that everybody sold off certainly not it's not that significant a dip it, it's showing that some people did do that and to be expected right a lot of people wanted to to get that chaser and to get the the early access but i think it's good to see that it hasn't fallen off to some crazy amount what it does over the next few weeks will be very interesting to watch how the 22 set compares to the 21 set what new users are looking at is there uh you know is there a distraction with this 22 set for a little bit that continues to deflate the 21 prices a little bit that's possible as well again it's all speculation we're gonna have to wait and see what it looks like but there is a lot of activity right now there's a lot of distraction there are a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of different directions that collectors can go with it right now yeah and it, it while it was a significant drop, I was online when the snapshot was taken. Uh, this would have been Thursday night, Friday morning at midnight Eastern. That's when they locked in the complete set holders of the 81 All-Stars or the 30 prospects. And we did notice, you know, pretty much right away, there were a, a high number of prospects being listed at below their current prices. And so there were at least a handful of users who... It seemingly only purchased their set for the purpose of getting that early access 
and they got rid of everything, um, possibly at lower prices than they even needed to. And, and it varied a lot from player to player. Some players, for example, C.J. Abrams, uh, he basically hasn't seen his floor price tank at all. Just every time a new listing hit below floor, it just got snatched up. And because there were only maybe five to ten people who seemed to be letting go over their full set, you know, five to ten C.J. Abrams just get snatched up and his floor remains intact. Whereas you have players like Gabriel Moreno or Xavier Edwards, where five to ten of their course hitting the floor and people competing with each other to be the lowest listing to, you know, have sort of a fire sale. They didn't really withstand that type of sell pressure the same way the top players did. And so, you know, overall, there was a 20% dip on the all-star price. But what we see is the top players stayed about the same, maybe a 5% dip on a bunch of them. And then the, the ones that don't have as much enthusiasm, the ones who maybe aren't making waves right now, as far as what they've been doing with spring training, they see sort of a 40-50% dip on some of their core prices. But in told, there weren't, you know, there weren't dozens of people unloading their sets. It was, you know, at most 10 or 12 that unloaded a full set, and some of the players were able to withstand that sell pressure, and others, not so much. I think that we are going to miss these days where you can really point to exactly the number of people that are executing in a certain way because of the, mm -hmm. the volume here, right? So as we go into this set of, you know, two and a half million NFTs on the 2022 <laughs> set, we're going to have to do things differently with this show. We're going to have to do things differently with the way that we pull data. We're going to have to do things differently with the way that we look at it. And that goes for everybody else that's paying attention as well. We will not have these, we will not have the ability any longer, I don't believe, to to point out, you know, yeah, there were probably five to 15 people that, that were doing this. And so, yeah, it's it's been cool for it to be this for a few months now and to enjoy it for what it is. But it'll also be cool to to see this operate at a much more significant scale and mm -hmm. And then compare the two because we'll be able to continue looking at the these 21 cards from this perspective of course but the just the the mass of data is going to be a lot more substantial moving forward right there's a big difference between individually tracking 81 different floor prices versus 720 uh, and we might be able to spot the most significant movers out of those 720 uh, but we're not going to have that same level of detail for every single one of them exactly so let's uh with that being said let's let's jump into these these prices or this movement for the week here so starting with the weekly movement for the the all-stars okay so we see that the the big winner this week in terms of total sales was craig kimbrell selling 14 cores to top that list and then he tops the overall list at 20 so he head and shoulders you know outperformed everyone else in terms of total sales and i did highlight him on the core because out of the six core movers those you know who sold the most cores this week he was the only one who actually saw an increase to his price over the week as opposed to a decrease going from 30 to 35 
but what it does look like happened is it looked like there were a handful of people competing to be the new low price uh, on his card and eventually the prices all worked themselves down low enough where one to two people snatched up a handful of his course and so you know there was selling competition but then just a ha- just a couple buyers one or two tops decided they'd seen enough his prices were low enough and he did a lot of volume as a result of that selling pressure probably dodgers um, fans kimbrough got <laughs> kimbrough got moved to the dodgers this week oh so. that that's true that that news could have impacted that as well but yeah. even before the sales occurred there there definitely was uh, kind of some downward pressure before those snail sales occurred so perhaps the people who made those sales weren't looking at the big picture either to recognize that uh, his move to a bigger market team could have driven his prices anyways mm-hmm. uh, but then looking at the uncommon list you know fours and threes down the list nothing to stand out in terms of the number of sales this week i highlighted rafael devers because he was one of the only price increases as well he saw a 15 percent increase on his uncommon with those three sales for the rares uh threes and twos again nothing too crazy no sixes like we've seen in previous weeks uh, and i highlighted kyle schwarber because um, not because he saw a big price move, but because those two sales actually put him to 26 rare sales total, which isn't quite enough to be on the all-time top list, but a lot closer than I would have expected Kyle Schwarber to be. Uh, he's just one or two sales away from being one of the top rare movers. And so 26 rare sales overall is a pretty significant number. Epics, we had Brandon Woodruff selling three and a handful of other people making one sale. So not a ton of epic movement. And, you know, it's probably because there was so much selling pressure that most of the sales this week have been coarse with just a handful coming in those higher rarities. All right, let's jump into the the all-time for the all-stars there. Right, and on the all-time list, not a lot of new names popping onto these lists. But just a few small positional changes. We see Yu Darvish taking second place from Rafael Devers in terms of total core sales. We see Jared Walsh jumping up a couple spots above Corbin Burns and Freddie Freeman. Yu uh, Darvish again in the uncommon list, taking a position on Buster Posey. Uh, Corbin Burns cracking that rare list with 27 rare sales. And so again, that's where Kyle Schwarber is just one sale away from appearing on this list no change at all on the epic list and then on the overall list we had you darvish pulling into third place i think back into third i think corbin burns had edged him out for the bronze medal last week but you darvish had some good sales this week and so he pulled back into third and then at the bottom uh, it gets really tight at the very bottom of this list there's another couple of players that are in the low 250s just off the list but we have Acuna and Brian Reynolds gaining a position and Shohei Otane cracking the bottom of this list now as well with 253. And you had said to me that we saw roughly 500 sales in both the All-Star and the Uncut Diamond set this week but because of the discrepancy between the set sizes that meant that while it's 
not super significant with the All-Stars. It was quite significant with the Uncut Diamonds, which I'll pull up the weekly data here now. And yeah, right away you can see to the point that we were just talking about people selling off their sets or parts of their sets. These are, this is the biggest volume that we've seen in a week by far. Right. Um, having, you know, some 20s appearing on just the core list and that overall list, a handful of 20s. Um, there were a lot of big volume movers with the uncut diamonds. And another thing that I haven't really touched on before, but there's not a huge difference between the the prospect that has sold the most total cards and the prospect that has sold the least. So if you're looking at, you know, just in cores, you know, Nick Gonzalez has sold the most at 228, but even in last place, selling the least cores is uh, Nick Lodolo, the other Nick, at 165. But if you compare that to the All-Stars, you know, we have Yusei Kikuchi moving 225 cores, and then far below him is Taiwan Walker at 111. Mm. Not even half the amount of the first place finisher in that category. And I think that just kind of shows that we see these prospects moving more as a unit. We see more people willing to to get the whole set and hold the whole set versus the All-Stars where there's more of them, you know, 81, and just being more choosy about the ones that they're going to hold on to. But when there is an event like the snapshot being taken for the prospect set, we see those handful of people who sold off the entire set. And so that just did much bigger numbers this week for everybody. You know, there were some, a few players from the prospect set that didn't have as many sales, uh, not because they weren't the bigger names, but just because some of the people who were selling off their set decided to hold on to their Julios or their Bobby Witts because they wanted to keep those handful of top prospects, in their opinion, and sell off the rest now that they had completed the set event. Yeah, I think that selling off the lesser names here was... It was pretty predictable because this was the this set was the cheapest way, not to say that it was cheap, it was not, but it was the cheapest mm -hmm. way to guarantee yourself access to all eight drops. And to the same point on a smaller scale with the play of the days or the gold trophy, you have the ability to buy these things, especially if you had done it during a dip, you know, there was an opportunity where this set was at the same floor that it's at right now a couple weeks ago. So this floor is, the set is sitting at a floor of around 2,100, give or take right now. And just a couple weeks ago, that's where it was at. So if you made your move then and you got yourself your access and then you knew that you were going to come in and you're going to sell 80% of that set for 70 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar, 80 cents on the dollar, whatever it may be, then good for you. Like there's so many different ways to do this. There, there's mm -hmm. no judgment here on, on how you want to buy, sell what you want to do with it. There's a game within a game here. So yes, these are collectibles for sure. But it's also fun to understand the inner workings of an NFT project and to make your own speculations and to make plays based on those speculations. And so 
this was predictable. There's a lot of volatile names in here. There, it was, it was a cheaper way to get that early access. But now, not everybody's gonna want to hold all of these guys because, yeah, you might be selling at 70 cents on the dollar right now. But there's also a lot of risk in holding these cards. It's much, much different than the All Star set. So there are lots of different reasons why to do things when you're working with baseball cards. So there's no judgment here. It's it's this is a this is a very interesting set to to watch. It has been up to this point and it will continue to be because unlike the All-Star set where a lot of those guys kind of are who they are, not all of them, but a lot of them. This uncut set the we're not even in the first chapter yet. So it it'll mm-hmm. be fun to continue watching this one. Right, and I don't mean to come off as though I'm criticizing people who oh, not, use this opportunity. Yeah, no, I didn't feel to, like you were. I was just, I was just wanted to state that. But sorry, go ahead. Right, because as you stated, everyone has their own reasons for collecting or for selling, and you know, there, there's no wrong way to do it because ultimately, the market, in a sense, is self-regulating. If if there's a demand at those prices, then they will sell. If there's too many people trying to sell at once, the prices are going to go down. And the reasons for that demand and you know, selling pressure to fluctuate, that's going to change over time. But ultimately, the market itself will decide what the correct price is and if that price is going to be going up or going down. I also now, think I that, did. I just oh, wanted to add ahead. to that real quick and then I'll let you take over. But I think that it's also important to remember that somebody that bought this entire set to get that early access is very likely only selling it off so that they can put the money back into some other candy product, whether it be Mm -hmm. these upcoming packs, cards off the secondary, other cards that they have more interest in, whatever. So it's somebody that went to that extent to, to get that early access. They're probably just making, you know, liquidating to make their next play, even if it might be a little bit less than what they paid for. So Right. And by this time next week, we'll have a much better idea of how valuable that early access is. If these 60,000 packs are selling out quickly, then that could certainly pay dividends. Even to take a loss on a set like this, to have that access for the full eight weeks of drops. Exactly. All right. Well, um, I only highlighted a couple names on this page. Uh, We have Bryson Stott on the course. Uh, He saw a 9% increase and he was the only name of those six to see an increase this week in terms of his core price. We have Nick Gonzalez, highlighted in rare. He made two rare sales, which uh, saw him a 17% increase. And he's up to 33 rare sales now, which pushes him into a tie for the first place on the all-time list of rare sales. So that was pretty notable, even though he didn't sell the most this week. You know, he's already sold quite a high number. Uh, to be in that territory. And then I highlighted both Bobby Witt Jr. and Ryan Rollison on the overall list uh, because there was some interesting similarities between, despite being on the opposite ends of the spectrum value-wise, there was some interesting similarities between the volumes that they moved this week. They each moved 18 total, and that breaks down. They each sold 10 cores. They each sold four uncommons. And then Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, rounded out that with four rare sales and zero epics. Uh, Ryan Rollison rounded his out with zero rare sales and four epics. That's pretty cool. And so, 
Uh, just some interesting dynamic there between one of the most valuable uh, prospects and, at least to this point, one of the least. I definitely noticed a number of enticing Ryan Rolison epics over the last week. There were a number of very <laughs> affordable, you know, yes, Rolison is bottom of the barrel in that set in terms of floor price, but these are still Candy Digital OG NFTs. So Ryan Rollison epic for, I don't know what they were selling for, 150 bucks, something like they were somewhere. Was it that I picked low? One up. Yeah. I, I picked one up for 150 mm-hmm. and I think another went for just under 150 And I think there's another listed around 150 right now. So the, the opportunities still exist mm-hmm. in terms of his epics. And so I, I couldn't help it. I, I put some of my candy balance into a Ryan Rollison epic. And if I have to hold it for a long time, then that's fine with me. I, th- I think just being, as you said, uh, you know, the the Genesis set, you know, the 2021 prospect set, it, it's the first. And I think that's going to have value. Agreed. Let me, uh, let me throw up the all-time numbers here for uncuts. Right. A few positional changes in the cores with Nick Gonzalez taking that top spot from the course, so he leapfrogged both Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt Jr. Um, on the uncommon list, we have the other Nick, Lodolo, taking the top spot from Bobby Witt Jr. We have Nolan Jones creeping onto the uncommon list. Uh, on rare, we have Nick Gonzalez, I mentioned earlier. He's tied for that top spot now with Gabriel Moreno, and so he leapt over Alec Thomas to tie for that spot with uh, C.J. Abrams seeing a positional increase in Julio Jones cracking the list. And then on the epic list, uh, we have Brennan Davis and Francisco Alvarez uh, tying for that bottom spot with 14 epic sales. And no Ryan Rollison to be found uh, in spite of those four sales this week. He still only sold 10 overall, so he still has uh, some more ground to cover before he can make any progress there. And then on the overall list, just a couple positional changes with uh, Bobby Witt and Gabriel Moreno switching spots for three and four, and Spencer Torkelson and Tristan Casas switching spots for eight and nine. High volumes overall, and yeah, it was nearly 500 total sales for the prospects this week. It worked out to over 16 apiece on average, which was, I guess, to be expected because of that snapshot. And it could have been more, it could have been less, but it, we're not going to see a week like this for some time, I don't think. Definitely not. Definitely not. And I mean, this is this is a perfect example of what we've talked about when it comes to market events. And it's it's a situation where something very specific within the project is happening on a given date with utility attached to it that will be available and then it won't be you have to add all those things up and predict that something is going to happen and even if you don't do anything about it that's fine but pay attention pay attention to what happens and use that as a data point for yourself moving forward when we see another early access announcement when we see a new set come with some type of utility these are the types of things because if you are somebody that had no interest in collecting a set here you've been presented with an opportunity here over the last 24 hours to buy a whole bunch of cards for way less than they were a week ago. So Mm -hmm. there are 
a million different angles to play these things depending on what your objectives are as a collector. And so it's it's important to learn from these moments, even if you don't do anything them with, even if you don't do anything about it, the first time you see it happen, the second time you see it happen, it's an educational experience and it helps you make a more educated decision in the future when you do decide to, to execute on something like this, even if it's something different. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what is your, what's your favorite? I mean, what's your card that you're looking the most forward to in this, uh, in this upcoming set for this first lineup? I definitely want to get my hands on a Joey Bart. Uh, he's going to be, you know, stepping in for Buster Posey this year. And we all have a lot of high expectations for him. Mm-hmm. I think most of us Giants fans, we were expecting him to have another year or two to get ready. We weren't quite expecting Buster Posey to retire, especially after the year he had, you know, putting up some career numbers there and then stepping away from the game. But Joey Bart, I, I would love to see what he's going to do for the Giants this year, and I'm excited to get one of his better cards. So I want to find out, is he going to have a rare? Is he going to have an epic? I don't I don't think he's going to have a legendary but maybe. And and so I want to get one of his best cards, whatever rarity that happens to be a part of. And uh, I haven't scrutinized the first lineup very closely. Neither have I. But his name, his name stuck out to me. For me, uh, it's another Joe. I'm, I'm excited about Joe Adele this year for the Angels. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that I'm holding a few of his Bowmans, his first Bowmans, and... I'm I'm all about the the post hype when it comes to fantasy or any type of baseball, football, alternative investment, fantasy sports, whatever. I mean, fantasy sports are all the players are just stocks anyway, really when you look at it. Mm-hmm. They their values go up and down. So, Joe Adele is a guy that was a highly touted prospect and I think he's got a chance to to do something cool and I think his card's going to fly under the radar a little bit with this set. So, Looking forward to to getting my hands on him and all of the Red Sox cards for sure, as I will continue mm-hmm. to to collect everything Red Sox that the candy puts out. But yeah, I uh, that's pretty much all I got. Was there was there? Oh, you know what? There was one more thing we forgot to touch on. There are there are eight World Series NFTs. We don't know what they are. We don't know what they're going to look like. We don't know what they mean or what the utility is, but there are eight super rare, ultra rare, I forget exactly what was mentioned in the announcement that will be scattered across these, I don't know if it's one per lineup. I don't know if it's literally eight NFTs. I don't know if it's eight unique NFTs and there will be X mint per. We have no idea, but there is something brewing here where there's going to be a very cool surprise for some pack openers that holds a, a they're just that's all they've called it so far is a world series nft mm-hmm. don't know what it, what it's what's attached to it what utility i'm sure there will be something but wanted to mention that real quick meant to bring that up before so yeah um, it'll be interesting to see if ef is one per drop two per lineup or if they are randomized beyond that and could show up in any pack but they, they do say that the utility will get announced later and you know, who's to say? Maybe World Series tickets? That would be pretty fantastic. It's definitely but where the, the mind goes. The, the sky is the limit. Candy, they do have close contact with MLB, so they have options to, to make things possible through these NFT packs that 
might go beyond our expectations. We'll just have to to wait and see on that one. Yes, we will. Cool to see them adding a, a little something extra in like that creative and um, continuing to innovate with, with what they can potentially bring to the table with this. So with all that being said, quick reminder that going forward, we're going to be recording this podcast on Tuesdays and releasing it on Wednesdays. At least that's the goal for now to work around the pack drops. So keep an eye out for that 24 hours delayed compared to what it has been. But with all of that, my name is Nate. That's David. This is the Talking Candy Podcast, and we will see you in the next one. Yeah.